I think we're in chapter 8, aren't we? We got into it a little bit. Well, he's talking about the churches of Macedonia. How they had deep poverty, but they abounded with the riches of their liberality, but given. So if you had to have a title for this eighth chapter, it might be the grace of giving. That's what it's about. He said, uh, Verse 3, for their power, our very record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And there's the, there's the key. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And that involves money. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. There's the key. And unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. That is that free, willing uh, giving for the cause of Christ. Therefore, as you abound in everything, and abounding is having plenty of it, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So he calls grace, giving a grace it's from God. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. What's brought this to his mind is the forwardness of the Macedonians. And to prove the sincerity of your love. For you all know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This great verse here. That though he was rich... Yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you all, through his poverty, might be rich. Now, if that, if that isn't uh, motivation for free and liberal giving, I don't know what could be. Christ is our perfect example. And just how rich was he? He had it all. Can't get any richer than that. And just how poor did he become? The son of man had not where to lay his head. So he went from the top to the absolute bottom, not for himself, 
but for his people, for us. Go to Mark that verse. Refer to it often. <clears throat> and herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you. That expedient, it, it's the right thing for you. You who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. You started this about a year ago trying to do it. But now, you need to go ahead and do it. That's what he's saying. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That's what he's saying. You started it a year ago. I guess you had it on your mind and your heart. Now, you just got to go ahead and do it. That as there was a readiness to will... So there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Quit sitting around saying, I wish I had more money. If I had more money, I'd give a lot. I've had, I don't know how many people tell me. But I'll tell you one thing. If I ever hit that lottery, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give you a lot of money at church. Somehow I've never gotten any of that money. <laughs> the church has never gotten it. Oh, if I had a lot of money, I'd give you a lot of money. And that's in the minds of a lot of people. Now, whether it would ever actually happen or not, that's another story. I expect that that really hit somebody. With, I don't, I don't. I think y'all be buying lottery tickets. But somebody actually won millions of dollars in the lottery, I think they'd disappear. Never see them again. Anyway, I don't think it'd happen. Uh, perform the doing of it. There it is. Out of that which you have. He didn't say how much. Did he? Out of that which you have. God doesn't expect you to give. Out of what you don't have. He expects you to give out of that which you have. Now. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that which a man hath, and not according to that which he hath not. I've had, oh, I just had, that's all I can give, I'll give that. Well, if that's all you have, that's all you can give. Isn't it? You can't give what you don't have. And if you honestly, that's what you've got, you give out of what you have. And that's all you can do. And that's, what, and that's all the Lord expects. 
Uh, and here's this. Verse 13. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. I'll tell you where I applied that one time. There was a church that had big money. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. Big congregation, big offerings. And they had quite a few missionaries. At that time, we were struggling. I mean, really struggling. And he put the pressure on me. How come you all not giving more to our missionaries? You know who it is, don't you? See, if y'all give more, then we can just stack on other missionaries. And I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. If you've got the money to support your missionary, you all need to support your missionary. And quit putting the make on everybody else that can't afford it. Pastors not even getting supported. And coercing them to give money to your missionaries so you so they can preach in your conference. God didn't mean that their situation be eased and ours be burdened. Now sometimes the worm may turn. A church has lots of money and for various other things that could be hitting bottom. That Other churches might be flourishing. They should pick theirs up. That there be an equality. Not that one be in control of all the money. And that's what he's saying here. I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. But by an equality, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 14. That now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, their need. Their want that they have, they, they have needs. You've got plenty and they don't have anything. Then your, your abundance should be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there may be equality. God didn't intend for one church to have everything. That's what he's talking about here. Of course that doesn't put you on the top of the list when you talk like that. But I don't know how I could function on top of the list. <laughs> Never been on top of the list. <laughs> now look, 
Verse 15, as it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over. And he that had gathered little had no lack. You had your supply for the day. Talk about manna. But thanks be to God which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, supplying, helping to supply their need. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Well, how about that? Throughout all the churches. It doesn't say throughout the church. Throughout all the assemblies, the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of or by the churches, again, to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord, and declaration of your ready mind. Now that's that ready mind that is ready and willing to give. Avoiding this that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. He's carrying money for many that are in need. I'm not... Trying to enrich myself is what he's saying. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you or our brethren be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches. There it is again. And the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. He never slips into that universal invisible thing. Never. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Superfluous. Too much. It's over, over the top. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast. Of you to them of Macedonia. That Achaia was ready a year ago. And your zeal hath provoked very many. So the, now he, he's talking to the Corinthians. But he's also boasted of the Macedonians. Starting back here in chapter 8. But he said I've talked talk to them about you. And how you have encouraged them. In this past year to get to get going. 
Yet I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain. In this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Well, if you don't, don't go on and get going what you're supposed to get going with, they come over and see you ain't done it yet. There's going, it's going to be a, a shame to you. Hey, what happened? We thought they was getting ready. We thought they was doing all this. No, they hadn't started yet. That's, so. <clears throat> Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Well, their bounty is what they're going to give. Whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. We're getting this together and this is what we're going to give. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, you're talking about sowing winter wheat, sowing grass. You sowed just a little bit? You got to sow some on that hill, don't you? Have you sowed it yet? Now, if you just sow a little bit, ain't much going to come up. If you want a lot to come up, you got to sow a lot. That is a principle that works throughout God's creation. So there he shows us that it is a principle of God's creation. You sow reap sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. So every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now does that nullify tithing? Some people, they say that does. What about tithing for us? Well, no, we're not in the Mosaic Law. But now tithing went way before the law. And Jesus even said after the law that we ought ought to do that. The tithe is 10%. If you make $100, $10 is where you begin giving. So, well, I can't afford that. Then you need to get your ducks in a row. You need to get yourself organized where you can do it. Admittedly, when some people are saved, they've been living in the world like the world does, head over heels in debt, spending every dime they get in, don't have a 
a pot or a window. And they might not be able or be, to afford tithing and giving. But they need to get their stuff under control immediately to where you can honor the Lord. You don't remain like that. You start unloading, getting yourself out of debt. Don't take on anymore. You listen to Dave Ramsey, he'll tell you how to do it. <clears throat> Cut up credit cards. and Stop spending. You see, that's against God's principles. To spend more money than you take in. You say, well, I don't take in much. Then you may, you may need to do something to increase your income. For example, a part-time job in addition to your regular job. Oh, well, I want to watch television. Well, you may not be able to watch television. You may have to go to work to get yourself under control that you can tithe and give. Uh, I mean, I don't know how long the Lord will tolerate that. I really don't. Anyway, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Well, I think we could put woman to So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now that word in the Greek, cheerful, is hilaros. That's the word that we get the word hilarious from. The Lord loves a hilarious giver. Well, this is all I got. <laughs> I'm giving it. That's <laughs> what the widow, the widow's mind did. She gave her grocery money. She had nothing left. Now, she didn't give it to Benny Hinn. <laughs> She gave it to the Lord. Amen. She didn't give it to Joel Osteen. She gave it to the Lord. Now, God loves a cheerful giver. And what does that indicate? A cheerful giver. One that is not giving grudgingly. Early on, I saw checks and stuff. I don't look at them now. You all know as much about the money as I do. I sit on the reports, I sit on it, board. But I knew when I see a check in there, a tithe check for eight dollars and seventy-six cents. I knew there was trouble there. That looks like a grudging giver to me. Well, I don't want to give a 10%, but that's what 10% is. $8.76. Couldn't have been round off to $10. 
you don't want to be a grudging giver. Old brother Baker, black brother, had him out here preaching one time. Preacher's fellowship. He said that a lot of these people, he said when they, when they get baptized, they hold that billfold up out of the water. <laughs> they don't want it to go down with them. <laughs> I think he was right too. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you all always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It just doesn't look like hard times there, does it? And as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Just all just abundance. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want or the need of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. He's just talking about what they're committed to do. And he's trying to encourage them to go ahead and start doing it. And that's what he's talking about. Your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ. And for your liberal. Now that's not liberal like politically liberal. That's liberal. Abundant. Freely given. Liberal distribution unto them. And unto all. It says men. It's in italics. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And of course, his unspeakable gift is the gospel. Amen. Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold towards you. Paul says he is low, base, but being absent, I'm bold towards you, writing to you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. Now all of these things that he's talking about here in these chapters, they just don't seem to be such controversial Bad things, but it evidently was, and probably still is. And people just don't want you getting into their space. And you start talking about them giving and all, 
Our manor house was empty. Over half of us got nothing in it. Nothing. I think to be bold against some would think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Well, Paul's not walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Don't have any choice but to walk in the flesh. If we don't walk in the flesh, we don't walk at all. But we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. Carnal is fleshly. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds? You're talking about Satan, the prince and the power of this air. The God of this world. He's got strongholds in the heavenlies. But our warfare weapons can even pull those down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And boy, let me tell you what. Thoughts need to be brought into the captivity of Christ. There's so much wickedness out here. Uh, I, just, I can't, it's just beyond reason. Casting down imaginations. I know people, teachers, that want to work on your children's imaginations. You ever see the pictures of uh, Hindu gods and goddesses? Now there's human imagination. Got a woman with, what, 18 arms? And other assorted things. Those are imaginations. And you see this art. Devilish imagination, human imagination. Uh, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Uh, remember what it was. If it's turned around, remember what it used to be. Remember what you used to be. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. What authority the Lord's given the apostles? It's for their edification, not their destruction. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. And he is concerned about being so stern with them. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Now that's what kind of a great speaker Paul was. Weak, bodily presence, he couldn't have been very strong with everything that he went through. They had to have been beating him down. 
and his speech contemptible? Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. We're not one way this time and one way another time. We all ought to strive to be that way. The same always. We really do need to do that. We can't, we can't be subject to our flesh and highs a kite one time and lowers the bottom of the ocean the next time. Paul said that whatsoever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. And that's what he's talking about. I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. Did Paul ever have times that he was brought low? <laughs> Probably more often than not. Few times he abounded. A lot of times when people get on top, things are going good. They're above you now. They may or may not speak to you. I'm serious. I've seen it. But Paul said he knows how to be both ways, up and down. Verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. <laughs> Compare yourself to the Lord. That's what you got to do. But we will not boast of things without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without our measure that is of other men's labors but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Along that line, I don't know whether you ever saw them over there or not, brother. We went to Hungary, Romania. Brother Scaff. And we visited missionaries. They weren't ours, but they were Baptists of some some sort. And you you knew big work, but these guys missionaries, it wasn't their work, it was somebody else's work. But we found out that they reported that as if it was their work. Raising support, see. Nah. <laughs> anyway, 
not boasting of things without our measure. But, uh, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. To the, now there's, there's a, a song to the regions beyond. I love the song, but there's some words need to be changed in it. Uh, that's, that's where that comes from, is from the Apostle Paul. To the regions beyond, lands beyond. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Let another man's lips praise you. He says, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me. Now, what's he saying now? My folly, he doesn't mean that what he's getting into is a folly. That's what some would describe it as. He said, but I want you to bear with me in my folly and indeed bear with me. He says, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I think he's talking about the bride of Christ here. Now I know the universal bride people say, oh, that doesn't mean that at all. That has nothing to do with that. But it does. Couldn't be any plainer. But I fear less by any means as the serpent beguiled, deceived, deluded Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So he's worried about it. Being led off into heresy. It is a good thing to expose heresy, brother. Regardless of who it exposes. God will not admit anyone into heaven because they are kin to me. Son, daughter, that won't bear anything. Not at all. People say, well, it's my, it's my son, my daughter. Well, doesn't matter whose son or whose daughter. Your son and your daughter can die and go to hell just like everybody else's can and will. Eve was beguiled by the serpent. Yea, hath God said. The first question mark in the Bible, right there. Oh, God didn't mean that. Oh, he, he's just trying to knock you out of some fun. Aren't we all accused of that some way or another? You just don't want us to have no fun. Satan 
accused God of that very early on. And he beguiled Eve. And her mind was corrupted. Now look where it led to with her and Adam. Look where we are. That's where it led to. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him, for I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. Now another Jesus, which we've not preached, another spirit, which you've not received, another gospel, which you've not accepted. Are there other Jesuses? Yes, there's lots of them. Lots of them. Are there other spirits? Yes, lots of them. Are there other gospels? Yes, lots of them. Although there's only one Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, there's only one spirit and there's only one gospel and there's not another. But there are many imposters of all three. He said in that day, many shall come in my name saying I am he, I'm Christ. Try the spirits of what sort they are. There's not another gospel. If anybody come and preach any other gospel to you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. He says now, verse 6, though I be rude in speech. Now, I don't think Paul was a rude man. I think he means rude, plain. He wasn't a, an eloquent man. Didn't intend to be. Yet I'm not rude in knowledge. But we have been made, we have been truly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you all might be exalted? Because I preached to you the gospel of God freely. Well, he said, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to do you service. I didn't take any money from you. I took it from others. I don't mean he robbed, but he took from other churches. He did everything in his power to not be an offense to him. He could have demanded much more than what he did, but he didn't. And that was the way it was all along. That's why he was a tent maker. That was his trade. And he worked as a tent maker to provide money for those that were with him. He could, he did not have to do that, but he chose to do that. All right, I'm going to quit here. We'll finish this.